Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Everybody and welcome to a brand new spoiler review episode for episode four of The Last of Us from the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Hey! Yeah. Well, we're decidedly in a happier mood after last week's episode, so clearly it wasn't quite as emotionally draining this week's episode but there was a lot that happened here for sure a little more furthering of the relationship between joel and ellie an introduction of a new group of people called the hunters there in kansas city and a introduction at the end a cameo of two characters from the from the game but also a new form of a uh, infected type of thing uh hiding underneath the surface underneath the ground there that we're going to see if you watch the preview for next week's episode. So a lot happened in this week's episode for sure. New storylines. It felt a little Walking Dead-ish for me that we, you know, a new group of people who are camped out of this town and, uh, you know, you have to deal with them. So, but we'll talk about all of that as we break it all down here. Let's introduce ourselves. I am the uh, outlaw John Rogan, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you're going to get to see me on the season premiere of Party Down later this month on Stars. Finally! I feel like you've been talking about this for quite some time, so I'm going to be excited. I shot it a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. I mean, it's about a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is the first episode since uh, the triumphant uh, debut of Pedro Pascal on SNL. What a fantastic episode, in my opinion, over the weekend. A lot of funny moments, a lot of funny stuff for sure. But uh, he is back into the frozen wastelands of Canada uh, to shoot this uh, episode. Please hold to my hand, directed by Jeremy Webb. This one, uh, you know, it's still, uh, it, from what I see in the credits here on IMDb, Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin handling the writing on this one. Uh, maybe there's another writer that was involved for this episode particularly, but that's what I see here on uh, IMDb. Uh, Mike, I turn to you first, uh, always with these things. What's your overall feeling for episode four here of of um, The Last of Us. Um, well, I mean, look, obviously after you have an episode that a lot of people think is one of the best hours of television they've ever seen, sure. you're destined to like have a lot to live up to. And I don't think this necessarily reaches those heights. Um, but where I'll disagree with you a little bit is that mm -hmm. I think that even though this gets back to the main storyline, which inevitably is going to be uh, Joel and Ellie dealing with humans as yeah. they fight zombies, because that's what the game is. Uh, this is where you see how really great acting, really mm. great writing, and really great character work can elevate even a story that sort of gets back to its, uh, you know, its basic tropes. Mm -hmm. um, I think there was a lot of amazing, amazing stuff in this episode. This didn't feel feel like a filler episode mm. to get no. us to the next big thing. This felt like an episode where 
they really doubled down on this relationship uh, between Joel and Ellie. And I think in ways that they uh, stuck true to the game, it was great. And in ways that they went off and did different things. I mean, mm-hmm. they continue to show that they seem to have this really, really amazing ability to know when to go almost line for line from the game mm-hmm. and when to deviate. And with uh, with the entire group that they meet and everything that happens, they deviate pretty significantly uh, and I think really successfully. So I think there's a lot of really, really amazing stuff in here. Um, so even though it's not uh, episode three of The Last of right, Us, right. it continues to be absolutely great. And I feel like if the first three episodes kind of set up some of the major themes, some of the major things that were going on. We're really now got like getting into the meat of the story here, uh, which is both fun and thrilling and also nerve-wracking. Especially with this episode, they're making us fall in love with these characters so that they can gut us down the line. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, Shannon, your overall thoughts on this episode? As Michael mentioned, some uh, deviations from the game. Certainly Kathleen is a new character perry is a new character so but the hunters are in the game and when we and i'm sure both of you saw the uh, post uh episode little, little mini doc and neil Druckmann talked about it craig mazin talked about how they if they were gonna if they wanted to expand more they want to give the hunters a face they want to give them purposes goals things that they were doing so they would have a three-dimensional uh appearance here in the uh, in the episode so what did you think overall of this episode um as we come out of episode three I mean, where we are right now in TV, I mean, this continues to be one of the better shows. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just so, so captivating. And a lot of that has to do with the performances of Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. I mean, just strengthening that bond. Like you yeah. see how we ended episode three that he said, OK, I'm going to do this. You have to follow these rules. Like, Here is what we have. to do. You have to do this. And we see even though she does. For the most part, of course, we still see that, you know, Ellie, Ellie's a a kid and and she's going to do things that kids do. Um, You know, I love the again, having not really played the game, the idea that they have to stop every every hour or so to siphon gas out of a car because gas, uh, you know, breaks down over time. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great video game. That's great video game logic. Like, you know, you have to stop like, oh, we have to stop and get gas here. but We have to do this and we have to do this. Um, I, I thought that was a lot of fun. And the introduction of uh, Melanie Linsky, who uh, is just a tremendous, tremendous performer, um, you know, a- as far as giving the hunters kind of a-, a little bit more of an identity, I think that's the thing that you have to do when you're when you're adapting a, a something that is completely uh, uh, focused on two characters and everything you just kind of view everything as obstacles, yeah. um, giving them a story, humanizing them makes them an interesting antagonist. I mean, when it's just, you know, black hat, white hat, um, it's it can get a little, it, it can get tired. Yeah. And even though they are firmly placed in the antagonist camp, um, you know, going through and seeing, you know, the how they were put in this situation, um, it's really, really fascinating. Because again, we don't know, at least in the show, we don't know a ton about Fedra. We know a lot of people don't like them. Right. Um, and you see that these people rebelled and were successful. And as most uh, revolutions that, that have occurred in the past, um, what you have to do to beat off the bad guy is kind of become the bad guy. Right. Um, and it's and I thought it was really, really well done. 
Yeah, Sean Connery says the Untouchables, I've become what I've beheld and I'm content that I've done so. You know, that kind of thing of blurring the lines between being hero and villain, depending on your perspective, for sure. I, Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, the furthering of the relationship with Joel and Ellie is really great. I think of the moment here where she's trying to tell him the Shannon jokes and he is just like, no. That's the, the reflexive reaction because my heart is closed. My walls are up. I cannot connect. With, with a young a teenage girl that will remind me of my own daughter. I'm not ready to open that door yet. But by the end, he's laughing at the at the Joe at the joke there. And there's a more of a thawing out between them that's that's developing naturally throughout this episode. And of course, she kills someone or she almost kills someone in front of him. That causes a bonding moment about how to hold the gun and those kinds of things. So there's a there's a lot more developing to, between Joel and Ellie. And as Neil Druckmann says I think it was Druckmann or Craig Mazin who says, well, it's because Ellie is essentially Joel. And so it's really interesting to see that kind of forming as you're watching this episode and watching these episodes and this relationship and storyline throughout. And also, right, the the Hunter situation, like when you're playing a video game, you kill people that attack you, but then you move on to the next thing. There are people connected to the people you attacked and killed or who you killed or fought off and killed. That's It's nice to see that there's repercussions to that in a three world or real world type approach to a, an adaptation here that I thought worked really well as well. Uh, but let's jump into this thing here. Let's jump into the first section. We're going to go old school with this. We're going to separate this into just two sections that have talking storylines. So just uh, strap in and uh, let me get going here. We open with Ellie getting familiar with her gun and abandoned gas station. Joel is siphoning out gas. As Shannon said, we hear him explain what he has to do every hour to make sure because there's, they used to drive 10, 12 hours, but now they can't quite do that anymore. So while Ellie is waiting, she pulls out uh, Will Livingston's terrible joke book. I call that a Shannon McClung special. Uh, she is still a teenager amidst the madness. That's what we're seeing here, where she's telling these jokes that kind of alleviate the situation. Joel talks about trucks, tanks, and choppers. She finds a tape when they get back in the truck. They're driving. She finds a tape, a cassette tape to put it in. It's Hank Williams. And uh, Alone and Forsaken is a song that he's singing. One of those kind of un unrecognized classic songs from Hank Williams for sure. Ellie finds a gay magazine and we get the stuff from the, I hope I'm saying that we get the stuff from the uh, stuck pages, which was in the game. So interesting way to work that kind of in, in the next episode. So fascinating how they did that. They drive for a while, looking at the countryside on their way to, to Wyoming to try to find Joel's brother, Tommy. They pull over camp for the night. They eat some chef boy RD and Joel lays a little bit of the foreshadowing for what we're going to be getting in the second half of the episode, talking about how he's afraid of he's um, looking out for people out in the woods because it's not the fungus you need to worry about out here. It's the people. She tells him a new joke. Didn't doesn't quite work 100 percent. But the next morning he's packing things up. She wakes up. She doesn't seem like a morning person. They talk about coffee and Starbucks. They're driving around. She lists the cities and then she asks Joel about Tommy. And Joel goes in about Tommy talking about his history, the army, Desert Storm tests the fireflies marlene and how tommy is the kind of guy who is has the heroic complex where he wants to save the world and we hear that tommy did quit the fireflies eventually even though marlene had talked him into being a part of it then ellie questions joel about why he's doing it and he says he's uh, about saving the about um staying in the world staying alive and he says he's doing it for family uh they drive up to what is what we see what we find out later is a ratted out kansas city the tunnel is blocked by a semi they go around through the city we see an underworld. We see um, 
uh, an Underworld and Matchstick Men marquee, which is interesting. Like, is that the time when this is happening? I'm just in my head. I'm trying to put that in my head. Joel drives into an alley, suspects the trap. He's right. They're attacked by two people initially. He crashes into a store. Joel holds them off so Ellie can climb into a hole and escape. Joel kills them both, but a third subdues him. Ellie takes her gun out, climbs back through the wall, shoots the kid in the back, uh, essentially uh, paralyzing him. Um, and the kid's name is Brian. He tries to talk his way out of it. And Joel kills Brian as he calls for his mom. And Oof. I put in here, yeah, they all cry for their mom after they've been badasses. Um, all right. So uh, overall thoughts here, Mikey, on this intro, seeing Joel and Ellie, as we mentioned, getting closer, getting tighter, her kind of making these jokes, playing, just being a normal teenager in the world, but also cutting to what happens in Kansas City, being a normal teenager in some moments and in other moments, really not a normal teenager, uh, essentially shooting somebody in the back. Who is trying? Who is going to kill your uh, mentor, for lack of a better term, at this point, or protector? Yeah, I mean, it, like if you think about it, this is the first time. You know, episode two, uh, episode one. By the time Joel meets Ellie, you're pretty much at the end of the episode. They barely spend yeah. a ton of time together before they get out of uh, the court, the QZ. In episode two, Tess is the one that really sort of is the buffer between the two of them. Yes. I mean, she's the one that's sort of keeping the conversation going with Ellie. Joel would be just as happy to not say a damn thing to her. And in fact, is like, you know, every time she tries to get him to talk about anything, he's like, pass, pass. And then we take this lovely diver, uh, like kind of a detour mm -hmm. in episode three into the Bill and Frank story. And so we get a little, little bit of Ellie and Joel, but still, I mean, he finds out that Bill and Frank are gone. The note yeah. brings up the test thing. So he kind of lays out those rules. So this is the first time that it's really just the two of them on the road. Like mm -hmm. there's no buffer between them at all and you just see ellie sort of chip away at joel but the other thing that i think they do that's really interesting in this episode is that although we saw joel's backstory and know a little bit about him in episode one as far as ellie knows and as far as they've played him for most of the episode of two and what we see of him in three yep. he's just getting the job done he's a badass everyone's scared of him right. like he he's the guy that gets shit done and that's all you know and right off the bat here with him siphoning the gas and her asking him how it works. And he's like, oh, well, the, the gravity. Look, I don't know how siphoning gas works. <laughs> Neither do I. Neither None do of I. us know. We just kind of know that that's what you do. Uh, and so, like, you see, like, he's, uh, he's, he's he gets the job done. He's not the smartest guy. And then a little bit later, uh, when she kind of points out later on in the episode that she realized he can't hear so good out of one ear. So you're starting to humanize Joel as his defenses are coming down at the same time. So he's becoming more of this well-rounded uh, human. He's just a guy. Uh, he's a really proficient guy, but he is just a guy. Um, and so just seeing them on the road together, that damn pun book, I am with you. He's, Ellie started reading those things, and I was like, well, goddamn, Shannon McClung is going to have a lot to say about this bullshit. Uh, but, but, I mean, but what a perfect kid thing. Every yeah. single one of us, whether you are a parent whether you have nieces or nephews, whether your friends have kids, whether you're just around kids in any capacity, they love really stupid jokes. Mm. And sometimes when they think it's funny, and I include Shannon in this, <laughs> when you see them laughing at their own joke, it's sometimes funnier than the joke itself. That's yeah, true, very true. Um, so it's just all of these dynamics are just really, really sweet. And you do see Joel, even though he said, let's not talk about our lives, 
they're in that car, starts yeah. talking about his brother. Like, there's nothing else to do. What are you going to do? So eventually, these things kind of come up. A lot of the stuff in the car, the Hank Williams tape, mm. uh, the the porn magazine. I don't know if we'll call it a gay magazine. It was a oh, porn I magazine. I meant to say gay porn magazine. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. But, uh, also straight out of the game. So, you know, yes. when the Bill and Frank episode happened and things happened really differently, a lot of people were really sad online that you wouldn't weren't going to get that moment because it's a really funny moment from the game. And I, I'm glad that we got to get that moment in there. Um, I also just really love the entire detour of them going off the road and camping for the night because that's yeah. something that doesn't happen in the game because God knows who wants to watch a cutscene for like 20 minutes of them camping in the woods. So <laughs> it was just a really, really nice opportunity to sort of lay out the world a little bit more, uh, you know, to lay out this idea that like, you know, even the way he talks to her is a different, like he's, when yeah. she's like, should we start a fire? And he's like, well, now why am I going to tell you that's stupid? And that's more, it's gruff, but it's a little bit more of a teaching moment. Yeah. And everything with them waking up with the coffee and all of it, like it was all just really, really, I don't want to say sweet in a schmaltzy way. It was just very real and cute and you just like them together like yeah. watching them bounce off of each other and again it's just really great writing combined with really really great acting uh, and then getting into the city uh you know this again i love seeing how video game storytelling translates to television and you're driving along you hit a giant obstacle, you can't get around it, you gotta go around the obstacle. And then everything that happens when they see the guy who's asking for help in the crash, like again, that's taken right out of the game, but it's done so, so well. It all happens so fast, you're kind of thrown off. And then everything that happens with those guys coming in and him telling her to get into that hole and wait, her coming out and shooting it, shooting the guy, and then Joel telling her to go inside so she doesn't have to see it. You're just seeing this entire Diff, you're seeing that Joel is seeing Ellie differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she got him out of the gym. In some ways, she is very much like Joel. Yeah. And as they get to know each other, they learn. Joel learns that. But in other ways, she's kind of like his new Tess. Like, she mm-hmm. has his back. Like, he was fucked. Yeah. Uh, and she has his back. So I think that all of this front half of the episode just kind of makes you really fall in love, not with Joel or Ellie, but with Joel and Ellie as a unit, because this is the first time we've really gotten to see it. And as both of them sort of chip away at each other, you're just like, oh God, this is gonna, I've got a bad feeling about this. (laughs) I really, I got a bad feeling about all of this. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, man. It's it's it, the, the performance here from Pedro Pascal in these moments when he's like trying to resist what Ellie is doing. He knows what Ellie is doing and, He's doing his best, but he's he is softer than you think he is inside. And it's because of the relationship he had with his daughter and that he still misses that. He still pines for that. Certainly still haunted by that. So he keeps people at bay. But she, just like Michael, you said, and of course, Druckmann and Mason said, she is like Joel. There's an exchange in the truck where she, she says, well, well, he says, she said, how do you think you're going to find? Uh, what if you don't find Tommy? He goes, oh, I'm going to find him. How do you know you're going to find him? I'm persistent. And then we see. Ellie do the same thing to Joel and asking him questions about Tommy. We have a 24-hour car ride. The story can't be that long. So bang, 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 give me my information. So just kind of both um, both her mirroring him slowly but surely. And as you said, kind of guy, she's he's teaching her in certain moments almost reflexively about, about how to take care of mm-hmm. herself, about things to watch out for because it's just he's been a dad. It's just in his nature. Once he's been a dad, it's in his nature to have that stuff triggered. And it's great to see that. 
as this relationship blossoms for sure. And also her saying that, or him saying to her that she's cargo, how that changes by the time we get to the end of the episode. So Shannon, what did you think about this opening stuff here that we got between Joel and Ellie, uh, some of the exchanges in the car, um, and also when we get to Kansas City, that whole action sequence there with those three guys? I mean, I thought it's just really, really good character building. Mm -hmm. And it's it's that it's that, you know, that three legged uh, uh, attack of acting, writing and directing like they're just they're just framing everything really well, because, again, in the hands of I don't say lesser filmmakers, but in the hands of different storytellers, this is the type of sequence that can be excruciating Mm. and be like, come on, let's just get going. Yeah. Or Um, cheesy or yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of shove in. Sure. Sure. But like exposition, making exposition interesting, you know, vital exposition, you have to get these things across to the audience so you understand what's going on. Um, But to make it, to, to build character at the same time, it's not the, it's not the easiest thing to do. And the fact that they're, they, you know, they're anchored with these great performances. You're getting across, you know, pertinent information as well as becoming attached to these two as a duo. It's just really, really, really good work. I mean, that that whole thing when he's like, you know, and my brother, like, that's a long, you know, that's a long story. Right. And hers, like, you know, we have, well, we have 25 hours. Like, I don't know, I don't know what else we're doing. <laughs> as they do go in camp, um, you know, there, there, there is a Whole Foods across the street from my apartment. Um, Whenever I see someone on a camp stove with ravioli, I'm like, ooh, some Chef Boyardee. That sounds really I good mean, right on. now. That still works. That still works. Even if it's 20 years old, I'm like, oh, boy, I really, I, I really, I really it, want to go to the normal grocery store and not Whole Foods and just get some Chef Boyardee right It really now. is true. Like, those shitty little meatballs in that Chef Boyardee, like, you could just taste them. You could, and they don't taste like meatballs. Like, they're, they're gross, but I like them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's not, it's meat product. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can take your ramen like, and stick it. I'll take Boyardee every day, man. Yeah. <laughs> but then uh, again, hearkening to the game, which is just sort of like, like my, my basic knowledge of games when mm-hmm. they get up and they see that semi truck has blocked the, yeah. the road by that overpass and how Pedro Pascal looks underneath and it is completely clear, like, like a video game. It's like, Oh, it, it, it's it's the video game uh, uh, creators showing you like look how easy it would be if you could just get past this but you can't right. and you know knowing that they're going into the city that that's where the infected probably are that's where more people are like you know you know they're they're going into the lion's den yeah and the the uh, uh happenstance nature of as they're driving in that someone with a blood mark like help please help <laughs> who's completely by themselves like okay 100 percent a trap yeah. and you know ellie as someone who's out doesn't doesn't know this joel immediately knows it yeah. and the fact that as they're driving that whoever's posted up top because again i watch i watch it with sub with the subtitles because i don't want to miss anything that you can see as they as he nails the gas you see the guy the the i don't know if it was brian or the or or the dad just say you know go go like this is something that they have practiced for and he drops a freaking cinder block yeah on on the windshield and like you know you see that they've got you know the you know those boards with the nails sticking out and something that i like because as you know being an action fan generally i want to be in the nitty-gritty like i want to see everything that happens with this it's a little different i mean the Mm -hmm. fact that we do stay on ellie for a lot of it that you see the concern on her face the concern not just for her you know kind of self-preservation but her concern for this guy who she's starting to bond with and not having 
not really bonded with a lot of people in her life. At least that's what we're that's what we're kind of guessing. Um, that's what makes those moments so you know edge of your seat. And like as Joel is sort of just you know firing and like you know we can't really see what he's shooting at. Yeah. Uh, again, that reminds me of the video game, or, or, or reminds me of video games in general. That these people, these are just sort of like these you know faceless specters, and then when you are then finally confronted like I, I i'm pretty sure ellie shot that kid like like in the in the spine <laughs> like, no, when he was those legs yeah yeah when he's saying i can't feel my legs at first i thought she was aiming for his ass and i'm like well that you know that'll do it um but at the moment that he is is you know it, it's it's almost like those 80s from from professional wrestling those 80s bad guys who immediately when they are you know getting yeah. overpowered like, no 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 let's be friends let's be friends but in in a far more tragic sense because this guy doesn't want to die right like he was he was doing the thing that he was probably taught to do and now that he's being confronted with his own mortality and he thinks that he's got a chance talking to this kid whereas the guy who he just tried to kill yeah. is kind of looming above him and as he's calling for his mom i mean even though like yes he's positioned as a bad guy for us because our heroes are joel and ellie but hearing a, a child i mean again like a teen it, probably 19 or 20 hearing someone call for their mom like it is yep. the most yeah. uh heartbreaking thing even though like yes this is a bad guy but but it just humanizes him humanizes him in that way even though if he had the opportunity he would totally shoot joel again to, he was killing say, joel. oh what 100 yeah, yeah. yeah um but yeah again just really really well done yeah i loved that sequence in there because you're right it's a great point shan i hadn't thought of it how they keep these people at a distance to make it feel like the video game like even when he kills the one guy you just see him from a distance go oh, and just goes down and the other dude runs up because you you know all of that but then when Joel kills the second guy, it is from Ellie's point of view inside the room. Mm -hmm. We don't see him actually kill the other guy. And it isn't until Joel gets surprised by the other person, uh, which Joel, of course, beats himself up about afterwards, that we see her kind of uh, walk out and do what she did. And yes, showing the fact that this is a young kid who's probably had to do these kinds of things to survive. And we're about to hear Joel admit the stuff that he, well, not admit, but allude to some of the stuff he might have done that was similar to what these guys did, which is why he knew it was a trap, that just speaks uh, volumes about who you're supposed to be uh, thinking is the hero or the, or the villain or the antagonist. It's all about your perspective because I'm sure that young kid was trained to do that so that they wouldn't get killed or wouldn't get taken or whatever. And so, you know, and, and you can even extrapolate that out to young kids who are born into war. You know, they're conditioned to believe certain things or indoctrinated to believe these things. And so they're sent out uh, to, uh, to, to fight for and defend territory or defend a group of people. Uh, in order to, because they believe that's the way to preserve their way of life, you know? It's so. what they're doing to survive. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll jump into the second half of this episode uh, uh, right after this. Do, 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 do. I didn't catch that one. You want to hold my hand? Oh, God. Oh, there we go. Very good. <laughs> All right, we cut to real abruptly after this uh, scene with the young kid dying, calling for his mom, which is really heartbreaking. We see Kathleen. We meet Kathleen, Melanie Linsky here, grilling an old man about people she needs to know the whereabouts of. 
someone named Henry and some other people that she named off, which are probably, I don't know, maybe those are names from the game. I don't know. Um, she is, in essence, in charge of the Hunters. They don't say they're the Hunters, I don't think. I just got that in the post-doc um, uh, episode, post-episode doc. Um, this is her group. And uh, Kathleen talks about her brother being beaten to death and that this old man had something to do with it. And she calls him out for ratting out his neighbors to Fedra. And his defense is, I delivered you. So we find out that this is, in essence, the town doctor or a doctor that she knew. She was delivered by this doctor and her brother was delivered by this doctor. Um, she, this is this uh, only, uh, I don't know, makes her pause for just a little bit, but she wants to know where Henry is. This Henry is because he is the one who's responsible for her brother's death. He says, they made me do it. They put a gun to my head. She pulls out a gun and puts it to this guy's head and says, have I met the requirements to get the information from you? And before she's about to kill him, we hear this horn honking. She runs out and we see the people who Joel and Ellie or Joel really have killed here uh, lined up, including the young Brian kid. Um, and and then the, we see Perry there, who is essentially her right-hand man, the guy with a long beard. For those of you who don't know, that is Jeffrey Pierce. He is from the game. He voiced Tommy in the game. So great to see him in a live action role here, a new character as well. Both Kathleen and Perry are new. And he said that he is part of the military in the post episode doc, but she, uh, Kathleen thinks Henry might've sent these people, uh, that they might be mercenaries. Uh, and she walks back in after she find after she asks if a doctor can help the guys tell her, no, these guys are all going to die or they're dead already walks back in and she shoots the doctor. We don't see the doctor die. We just see her shoot from outside the door and then she tells her people to find every collaborator and kill them all and then we see them kicking in doors knocking down places and then we cut to joel who's trying to talk to ellie about killing people and its effect on you he's he's trying to essentially kind of walk her through the feelings of it all he's terrible at it but she reveals that it wasn't her first time which i kind of suspected when she killed the the infected guy and he shows her how to hold a weapon and where to store we hear about fedra how the fedra uh, they were taught to hold weapons and use weapons in fedra and she's he is teaching her a better way to hold the gun uh kathleen's uh, perry walks up and leads her to an attic uh saying he found something we go inside we see these superman drawings these food cans uh and she alludes to the fact that it's sam up here henry's younger brother and that uh, they can't they can't be far away because henry wouldn't leave sam behind uh, then Perry leads her to another area, and we see this cracked, um, massive divots in the floor, and it starts to move around. I lost my shit at this moment. I was, what the hell is this now? And that is, for those of you who play the game, that is a bloater that is under there. We'll I can see that in next episode. Then Joel and Ellie are breaking into an apartment complex, setting up the stairs. Ellie asks Joel about ambushes. He explains he's been on both sides of this, so he understood how to get, how to get out of that situation. And then she asks him point blank, have you killed innocent people? And he doesn't answer and says, we got to get upstairs. We got to get to where we're going. They get to a place to sleep. He puts the glass down on the ground so people can, so she can hear, he can hear people coming. He asks Ellie about it not being her first time killing people. And she doesn't want to talk about it. Kind of like Joel didn't want to talk about things on the stairs. Joel understands and says it isn't fair because she's young, which made me think of the last episode of the Bad Batch when uh, Hunter was saying that about Omega and young, uh, young Guji there. He, she calls him out for his lack of hearing on his right side. She tells him one last dad joke, which actually breaks him and makes him laugh. And then we go to black, and then we come back up, and Ellie wakes up. Joel and Henry and Sam are upon them, and we go to black. Shannon, 
A lot of stuff going on here. We get the instruction of the hunters. We get Kathleen and Perry. We get this Henry person. We hear about Sam. We got a bloater, uh, underground sighting at least. And then we get a little more of the Joel and Ellie relationship and her starting to ask him deeper questions about what his role has been in all of this. And then Henry and Sam are upon them by the end. So what are your thoughts about all of this uh, as we go to the second half of the episode? I mean, one, I love that they're using performers from the game in the show. Mm. I think that is the coolest thing. And like, I don't know how long Jeffrey Pierce is going to be in the show, probably right. next episode. And they'll probably move on. That's my guess. Um, but the the fact that he was given <clears throat> a fairly significant role, um, it's, it's just awesome. I mean, like, you know, Nor- Nolan North had a very slight cameo. <laughs> In the Uncharted movie, oh which the Uncharted movie, yeah, not my favorite. And also, they, they didn't give him, the part was kind of dumb. It was just like, you <laughs> wish they would have given him a better role. So just, yeah. that I know that I realize that has nothing to do with the actual show. But I, I love that, I would have to assume this is Neil Druckmann being like, let's, let's, let's be good to our people who yeah. are part of the success sure. of this thing. Like, they're part of the reason that, that it became what it became. Um, again, Mel- Melanie Linsky, who, again, is just such a captivate captivating performer with uh togetherness on hbo with yellow jackets i mean you see who this woman may have been at one point and how she has evolved again to survive and you know i don't know i've never been to kansas so i can't say the, the the scope of that city um but knowing that fedra is uh uh it's all over. Like again, it like, that was something that I thought was maybe just in Boston, but it's like, okay, the, the world is trying to come back together, but perhaps the people that are in charge of this, this, you know, government Mm -hmm. aren't like the best people. Um, I love the great, great line of dialogue. Like, you know, have I, have I, you know, satisfied the conditions to make you talk like that is a, that's just a great, great line. And then when the doctor says back to her, like, okay, this has to stop. And her response is just like, Oh, now because you're in here now, it has to stop. Like that was a tough moment for me. Cause I was like, yeah, that's how I would, that's how I would respond. And I wonder if I have to take a look at myself about something like that. So yeah, I love that back and forth. Well, and again, I mean, the moment that she finds out that Brian and his dad, I think have been killed and they thought, okay, Henry has called Fedra, you know, they're bringing these guys in. It it really reframes the hunters. It's like, again, they are definitely the antagonists in the situation, but it's like, oh, okay. We worked really hard to sort of overthrow this terrible group of people they're sending in reinforcements. Like we have to hunt right. it down. Like we have to, we have to take care of our own. I mean, again, it, it, it it's, it, 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 you know, presents these really interesting uh, moral issues of like, you know, I'm protecting my people. Everyone who's not us is, is an enemy. Um, so it's just, it, it, it just makes for very, very captivating, captivating storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, the moment that you, see that you know that kind of like the beginnings of sinkhole and that something's underneath it Uh, i'm with you john that was kind of like oh god what's what's gonna happen here um but also you see her as a leader who's a little flawed as well like she's she doesn't want to tell anybody about this because again as an audience member who who doesn't know the game like i don't know what's under there um but she does not feel she does not feel compelled to share that 
with her people. She's like, well, let's let's take care of what we have to take care of for right now. Uh, I thought it was interesting because, again, not having any context to who she's talking about, this Henry guy that you go in and you see these uh, crayon drawings. It's like, OK, there's there's a, there's another kid involved here and the fact that she's like you know we got to get him i know he's close i know he's close presenting a child into that situation adds another layer of like okay you're hunting a kid like ah this is really (laughs) this is i don't know who to root for right now i mean i know we root for joel and ellie because they're the ones on the poster but you know you're 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 giving everyone a case for doing what they're doing Mm -hmm. um watching (laughs) how ellie talks about she's noticed the thing with uh, yeah. Joel's right ear. Yeah. And then when it cuts to, you see when he's asleep, he's asleep on his left side. Mm-hmm. So he can't, he can't hear. He couldn't hear uh, Henry and Sam coming in again. That's just really good. Really good filmmaking. Maybe that's from the, from the game. I don't know. Um, but also the moment where she says, you know, have you killed innocent yeah. people? Um, you know, there's a couple of things like, do, do I, do I think that Joel cares what Ellie thinks of him? He's starting to, um, but also I think having to sort of confront the things you've done in your past to survive, it's, you know, it's very, very difficult to, you know, to look in the mirror afterwards and having to talk about it being like, yeah, I did do this. Um, and knowing like he didn't want Ellie to have a gun at the beginning because, he, he doesn't know this kid. I don't know what this kid's going to do. I don't know if the kid, this kid's responsible. Now he did. He didn't want her to have her want her to have a gun because he didn't want her to be put in the position that she'd have to take a life. Yeah. And it it's just really, really, again, really compelling, compelling storytelling they're doing right now. And the fact that the one kid who's got a gun on Joel has a painted on superhero mask and he looks like he's about nine. Yeah. I mean, again, it's it's I'm very, very excited for next week. The things you got to do to survive, for sure. Yeah, and the connective tissue, certainly Tess telling Joel um, in episode two, I think, like, you know, take Ellie, save her. Maybe she can wash our sins of the things we did yeah. in the past. So certainly they're very well of the. He's very well aware of the stuff he did and probably very ashamed of it as well. But you do what you got to do to survive. And certainly we see people from the outside of these situations sometimes go, how could you? And people defend themselves by saying you weren't there. So interesting conundrums being brought up here in this episode for sure. Mike, your thoughts on the back half of this episode, stuff with uh, uh, with Kathleen, with Perry, the Hunters, and uh, uh, Joel and Ellie and uh, and uh, Henry and Sam here. Yeah, I'm usually the one that's a sympathetic one, but I think you guys are uh, way more sympathetic towards Kathleen's moral quandary than I am. <laughs> um, I love it. She's a bad guy. She yeah. does, She was a good guy once, but she's not a good guy anymore. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that we meet. So, again, like, so to to what you guys were saying, like, in the game, the hunter, it was just it was just a group of people that were, yeah. you know, they needed to get past. They were an obstacle that they needed to get past. And they were people that you didn't really know what they were. They were just in the game and they were what they weren't Fedra and they weren't anyone else. They were just this group of people. Um, and so they definitely gave them a bigger backstory than we had that they they overthrew Fedra. And you know, to Shan's point, uh, you know, Fedra stands for what is it? Federal Disaster Response Agency. They're a federal agency. It wasn't just like a group of people. Like this is what yeah. the government has turned into. The, so they were everywhere. Even in last week's episode, when Frank shows up, I forget where he came from. Whether it was Baltimore, he says where he came from, but uh, it was but Baltimore. that it was Baltimore. Q, the, yeah. it was Baltimore. That QZ yeah. zone had fallen. <laughs> 
So, right. you know, like the like when when they're talking about, you know, that great line episode three where Frank's like, you think the whole government's Nazis. And Bill's like, they are Nazis. He's like, well, they are now. <laughs> yeah. The government, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Out of fear. But, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, but so like and so like this whole idea that there was this group of people living in the QZ zone, just like Joel and Tess were, that they were like, fuck this, we've had enough. But the other thing that you get, and I, they do it so well because you have to, I, I went back and watched uh, the back half of this episode twice because mm. you're getting a massive amount of information that you actually don't have context for. Yeah. So once you get to the end of the episode, going back and rewatching it kind of helps you place some things. So yeah, so Kathleen was the leader of this group that overthrew Fedra. Yeah. And there were clearly a group of people that were informants for Fedra, that were informing on what people were doing, whether the rebellion was starting, whatever was going on. Now, we don't really know, and Henry and Sam are from the game, but yeah. all of this backstory is not in the game because we didn't have any of it. So Henry's relationship to Kathleen, who's a brand new character, we don't know what that is. And more importantly, Henry's relationship to Kathleen's brother, yeah. who was killed which is clearly an important thing for Kathleen. We don't know what that is. Uh, you know, if I were going to guess, given what she is questioning her former doctor about, it seems that something that Henry did, she blames him for her brother getting killed. And yeah. she blames her doctor and all of these other people for informing on people, for helping Fedra. And as the doctor even says at one point, he's like, Fedra had a gun to my head. She clearly doesn't care. So what you're really seeing here is this group of people that they overthrew the bad Nazi government. That's good. But now they are going through and cleaning house. And anybody who they feel was loyal to Fedra, helped Fedra, whether that was under duress or not, uh, they are out to get everybody, and they've basically become Fedra. I mean, they've basically become yeah. the Nazi regime that is going around and killing everybody. So my sympathy for her and her moral quandary as she is trying to do the right thing kind of goes out the window. And it really goes out the window when she sees the two bodies that Joel killed because you guys are saying, oh, she thought this was Henry. She thought this. I don't know that she really thinks it's Henry or if mm. she does think it's Henry, it's really showing somebody's bias. Um, yeah. Cause she immediately thinks it is. Yeah. Right. She, she creates this whole story. Yeah. You watch well, her do it. And if you go back and watch her, cause she is an amazing actress, she sees these dead bodies and uh, the guy from the game, what's his name? Yeah, Perry. Uh, Perry. Perry. And Perry's like, it was a it was a car that came in. It was well supplied. It's from outside of the city. None of this says this is the guy that's hiding away somewhere in the city with his little brother and their cans of corn and his superheroes drawings. Like this is a he's like maybe they're mercs. Maybe they're just passing through. And she goes, well, if Henry got a radio, maybe he radioed some mercs and they did yeah. this. So this is Henry's fault. That is a giant leap in logic to <laughs> accuse your bad guy. And again, this is a thing that leaders do to maintain control. Like Henry, for whether it's warranted or not, and we will find out uh, next week, my guess is no, but uh, Henry has become the boogeyman. Henry has become in her mind, this, he is the, he is the leader of this group of people that are out to still destroy us. And we need to kill him before he kills us. And this is how she is keeping control of this group of people. So she's yeah. turned Henry into this giant boogeyman. So I find the whole thing fascinating. I think Kathleen is a super 
interesting character. Yeah, yeah. But uh, my sympathy for her uh, is much less than you gentlemen. Um, you make a good point. I think you won me over. <laughs> she does say execute them all. She doesn't say bring them in for questioning. She doesn't say let's find out what they know. She says if you find anybody working with them, just kill them. Kill them all. Yeah. So fair point. Mike. Fair point. So then, I mean, I think the scene with Joel and Ellie is great because you do see, I mean, Joel feels like absolute ass. Mm that he couldn't protect Ellie. This is the thing that Joel does. And again, like when you get into Joel's psychology, there's a big reason. Hey, I wasn't there to protect the kid that I'm watching over is pretty much his trauma point. So him not being able to help her and her having to shoot uh, the guy to help him. I mean, he feels so bad about it and he does just sort of try and muddle through this thing. And her telling, Ellie telling Joel that this wasn't her first time, um is a big admission on her part. And I don't know if it's like conscious or unconscious, but also I don't want to say it lets Joel off the hook, but it lets Joel know that she's not just this helpless. It, it puts them more on an equal field together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that allows him to look at her. And, and when you see that he see, he realizes that he's, he's got this idea just like his daughter. You're this kid. You've never seen violence. You've never dealt with anything. And I'm going to try and shield you from all of these things. That's my job. And then when he finds out that's not the case, he pretty quickly jumps to, all right, well, let me show you how to do, use this gun properly. Um, and just, it's a great exchange. Uh, like, it's just everything between them is lovely. Yeah. And then getting into, back to the Kathleen of it all, look, even if you don't know anything about the game and you don't know anything about these characters, the second that they find the hideout of this big bad guy who's trying to take everybody out... And it's empty vegetable cans and superhero drawings and crayon. It's pretty clear that this is not the mastermind who is trying to kill everybody. Like this is not the Legion of Doom. Okay, like this is like you're you start to see really quickly uh, that maybe this is not all that Kathleen is turning it out to be. And then on top of that, yeah, like you go see like this giant underground breathing concrete cracked thing. And she's like, eh, why don't we take care of Henry first? You're like, okay. Yeah. I think like, yeah, maybe you've gone. Off. Kathleen, you're a little bit off the reservation here. I think we need to take a big step back and talk about priorities. I don't know. A lot um, of bad guys dabble in the arts. I don't know where you're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, a, a little random thing that I thought was interesting. Um, going up like 33 floors in a giant high-rise building to hide oh. out for the night. Not anything I would have ever thought to do in a post-apocalyptic world, but pretty smart. Yeah. Like, yeah. the chances of someone finding you in a long hallway of a hotel that has lots and lots of doors and there's lots of options is a lot different than I'm hiding out in this house and you just have to walk through the front door and find me camping out in the living room. Right. Um, so I thought that was great. And again, all the details of him, like, putting down the glass, uh, all the things. You're like, yeah, this all makes sense. Uh, and I'm taking notes for the impending apocalypse for when it happens <laughs> so that I will be okay. Um, and you know, Shannon had mentioned the right, the right ear thing is actually not from the game. It's something that they, they actually said this in the post, uh, kind of behind the scenes thing on HBO that they added this because in the game, or maybe, or maybe they didn't mention it there and they mentioned it somewhere else, but it is an addition to the game to make Joel a little bit more human so that he's not just this perfect, awesome, badass killing machine and make him flawed. And I think that's a great choice. Um, everything that happens in this episode pales in comparison to Joel getting the giggles. Joel getting the giggles. Joel getting the giggles is 
by a mile the best part of this episode. Uh, It is so real and so cute. And, like, that's the thing. To let your main badass character be cute... Yeah. The way that Pedro Pascal is, is, is when he is giggling, he's like, "That is so fucking stupid." Uh, it's this. It is this intensely sweet, adorable moment that I think solidifies the bond. That this is a moment where we've seen him through the episode. The walls are coming down a little bit. He's a little bit more sarcastic and snarky with her. He's revealing more about Tommy. He's kind of trying to talk to her about what it's like to take a life. He's showing her how to use the gun. It's all on the road. But him getting the giggles about the stupid diarrhea joke is the moment when he fully breaks. And the two of them giggling together is just perfection. It is just a perfect, perfect moment. Um, And then to end the episode with... What is clearly, whether you knew it or not, you can probably guess, is Henry and Sam. Um, is especially because we saw superhero pictures and you see a little kid with a superhero mask painted on his face, and you're like, All right, I'm pretty sure I knew who drew those pictures. Uh, <laughs> and again, if you know the game, you know kind of probably the broad strokes of where their story is going to go next week. But yeah. given all of this additional information about the hunters and Kathleen and Henry's relationship to Kathleen's brother, which is all brand new, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot more deviations along the way towards where we probably end up. So I think yeah. they did just a really, really great job. And again, you know, we talk about this a lot because we cover a lot of these shows. We cover the Marvel shows. We cover the Star sure. Wars shows. We cover all of these shows that are six episodes, eight episodes, ten episodes. And a lot of the times, especially in around episodes two to four, mm-hmm. uh, we have always had this conversation where it comes on. We're like, yeah, this is good, but I'm ready to get moving. I'm ready to get moving. When are we going to like, like, this is all good information, but I'm ready. to Let's 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 get to the thing we want to get to, whether that is the attack on the Empire or the reveal of the superhero thing in the Marvel Universe. Like we we find ourselves getting a little bit impatient. And this episode has, or this series so far has absolutely none of that. Their pacing is so on point and there is so much richness in these characters and this relationship, this core relationship with Joel and Ellie and the world that I, I, I feel like we're at episode four and I am like, oh God, I can't believe it's almost done. I I, I, I wish there was more. I would like we're nine's not enough. We need more. We need more. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait for next week. Uh, and yes, given the breathing concrete underneath the building that Kathleen seems to be, uh, unconcerned about, I think next week's going to be a banger. Oh no, she, she's concerned. She freaked out and was like, just bar everybody from this place. Cause she actually jumped when that thing moved around. So she knows what it could lead to. So. I'll give you a pandemic example. If I walk into my apartment complex mm-hmm. and I see that three people have COVID and yeah. I go, oh shit, they got COVID. We'll deal with it later. Or, oh shit, they got COVID. Quarantine the building. It's two yeah. different reactions. That's fair. That's She's fair. just worried about the crayon wielding maniac. Yeah. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> exactly. Clearly. Exactly. Oh, poor, poor distraught Kathleen who's struggling through her moral quandaries. Yes. With the jagged cans of, of uh, eating food there. Who ate this corn? <laughs> this drawing has four colors. We know he's got four weapons. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the genius of the jokes, you could pinpoint those three scenes, right? In thirds, uh, something in thirds, yeah. right? Initially, no. I don't want to play this game with you. You can go wait in the truck. Boom. 
he guesses what the an- he no he knows what the answer he knows is. the answer he says you asshole or you motherfucker or whatever she says and then th- the third one she finally breaks him and they share a laugh a bonding moment so you see the that's a really i had forgotten about that until you just mentioned it yeah like yeah, the that really you're smart. right the first the, that that second beat where mm-hmm. he beats her to the punchline yeah uh is it, again it's cute it's yep. a cute moment. It's yep. this is and even though they've known each other since episode one, this episode is Joel and Ellie's meet cute. Like this is the meet mm. cute episode where like they finally are like, all right, I see you. I get yeah. it. I this see is, you. This, this is also why I do I do those jokes. I'm just trying to strengthen our friendship. Oh, you keep yeah. rejecting you keep rejecting my my, my friendship bonds. When but I'm still she gonna try. Said, when she said diarrhea runs in the jeans, mm. I just, yeah. my eyes rolled so far in the back of my head. And I was like, Shannon is somewhere right now being like, ha! <laughs> uh, well, Michael had his final words, I think, just there, Shannon. So do you have any final words on this episode as we look, glimpse episode five or, or episode, yeah, episode five, if you say what you need to say? I mean, I, I, I agree with Vogel. Like this show, not knowing where it's going to end up. I mean, this feels kind of perfectly paced to me. And and this is not to say that this pace will work for every show, but for this show, the time that they're taking um, is not only enjoyable, but it, I imagine it's going to be very important for where they're going to end up. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, And I, you know, it occurs to me with, People's issues with Andor was some of the slowness or pacing. What if they had combined these episodes and lowered the episode amount? Would that have maybe adjusted people's thought processes? Who knows? But I, you know, I, I am enjoying the pacing as well. I'm loving what we're getting here in the uh, progression of the storylines and in the character work, the character beats, these things that are really important to establish um, characters that we're going to be gravitating to and following, even if it's for just two episodes with Melanie, with Kathleen, Melanie Linsky's character, I like the way they've established it. And you know immediately that she's in charge. She's authoritarian. The thing with her, with her the, do- the doctor there, that is that is chilling stuff. That is gripping stuff. That is sad stuff. That this is what this has caused people to become in opposition. She's probably spent many uh, appointments with her doctor. Probably, you know, talked to her about her period. Talked to her about maybe she had kids. Who knows? Like there's probably so much that she revealed in that doctor's office with this man and here he is in this here she is in this moment ready to kill him and yeah. does kill him um uh he might have worked at carbon health yeah he might have worked at carbon health yeah fair enough oh yeah fair enough fair point uh but yeah i mean there's so much involved here that i thought was just fascinating and you see the deconstruction of society this is what happens with this kind of thing you know enemies are uh, friends are now enemies uh connections are now severed because people do things in desperate times to stay to survive and there are different and the fact that he's not willing to give up henry i think also kind of underscores your point mike that henry is is the actual hero in this situation not kathleen and so the fact that the guy is willing to die to save henry there must be a really strong bond there for some reason um uh, in his own mind so very fascinating stuff here and we'll see how it all plays out and we'll see if kathleen's megalomania to a degree will bite her in the ass next episode or next two episodes depending how long this little uh excursion lasts um yeah and in the game it's in pittsburgh but they said it in kansas mm-hmm. city this time which is interesting because the kansas city chiefs playing the super bowl this sunday 
And this episode coming up will drop on Friday night. They announced that today. It will not drop on Sunday night. It's dropping on Friday night, so it doesn't coincide with the Super Bowl. So very smart by them for sure. So you look for that episode this Friday at 9 p.m. ET. Um, All right. Well, there we go. Uh, Thank you so much for watching this spoiler review of uh, The Last of Us, episode four here from the Geek Buddies. We appreciate it madly. Shannon, what do you tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, where you might get some friendship bonds as well in the way of uh, hilarious, hilarious jokes, you can follow me on social media, on Twitter, at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you don't want to get some great friendship, you can follow Vogel at, at MKToon. <laughs> and you can follow Mr. Roca at the Roca Says. Yeah, I'm in the middle. Sometimes they irritate me, sometimes they're great. I never can. Michael, what? else we got to say um well if you want to follow the continuing adventures of shannon and his best friend kathleen then you can keep joining <laughs> us here on the geek buddies uh and here's what you can do to make sure that shannon and kathleen's friendship bond stays strong you can hit that like button below uh you can subscribe to johnny's outlaw nation page and check out all the amazing content he's got there leave your comments below um what did you think of this episode where do you think things are going how do you think it stops up stacks up to what we've seen so far just give us your last of us thoughts below uh if you are listening to us on a podcast go ahead and leave some stars leave some comments helps us go up in the rankings and as always the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video post it to your social send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies yeah, I love it there. Um, and big, big shout out to Carbon Health, who continues to power and sponsor us into 2023. If you've got any healthcare questions, concerns, or needs, uh, you want to head on over to Carbon Health. Go to carbonhealth.com. They've got 100 plus locations all over the country, 80 plus locations in California alone. Also, you can download the app to have a doc in your pocket when you need to have those questions answered on the go, especially if you're trying to survive a fungal zombie. Carbon Health's, new, Carbon Health's new slogan should be, we got your back, even if there's a gun to our head. That, oh, that, would, be a good, that would be a good slogan for them. I like they that. could have that one for free. <laughs> oh, wow, wow, how very kind of you. All right, let's get on out of here. Oh, we'll shoot, buy- oh, yeah. shoot, sorry. Guys, did I tell you that I was arrested for arson once? Oh, for God. burning up the dance floor? <sighs> Oh God, we we couldn't even make it through the whole episode. You had to do it. Oh God, we're gonna go. We're gonna go now. Thank you. Take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you next time on a brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.